We're back for another episode of LifeWords Q&A. David Ray, Andrew Morris with you for the next 15 minutes or so where we discuss your questions, which you've submitted at LifeWords at HopeMedia.com.au. Uh, David will be answering your questions, questions about life, questions about the Bible and what, what the Bible says and how it applies to living life on planet Earth. David, our first question uh, is, I hear people say that Jesus didn't say anything about gay marriage, abortion or climate change. So maybe they're not as important as we think. I think it's a little bit of a silly argument, actually. I, I've heard it said too. Since Jesus didn't say anything about a certain thing, therefore we uh, can safely say, or we, we can safely make up our own minds about it, or we can safely say he didn't think it was important. I, I think it's a bit of a silly argument for a couple of reasons. You see, Jesus didn't talk about lots of things. Um, some things weren't thought of in his day. Climate change? You've got to be kidding. Uh, really? Um, and, and you see, the Gospels aren't some systematic encyclopedia of all he said. In any case, one of the Gospels actually says that there are a lot, a lot of other things that Jesus said and did that we can't record. Um, just because he didn't specifically mention some issue doesn't mean that he didn't teach some principle related to the issue. For example, I mean, while Jesus didn't talk about gay marriage, which, which wouldn't have been considered in that day, um, he does talk about marriage. Um, I believe he talks about sex. Um, didn't mention abortion. He seems to value the sanctity of human life and how that relates to abortions, an extension of that principle. Uh, climate change, well, um, presumably since Jesus was involved in the creation of the world, he cares for it, uh, so we can presume he he values the world. So, so we, I, I think we can say that Jesus has taught certain things that can be applied in principle to the actual contentious issues we face today. But the other reason I think it's a, it's, it's a bit of a, a, a silly argument is that the Bible is more than Jesus. Certainly he's central. But, and, but Christians have always believed that the writings of the rest of the Bible bear authority as well. So some people would say, well, Jesus didn't say anything about that. Oh, well, Paul mentioned it, but, oh, well, Paul's only just sort of secondary. Well, no, he's not. Um, um, we dare not pit the good guy Jesus against the bad guy Paul or the bad guy Moses. I mean, I mean really, I mean, that, 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 that really is, I think, um, uh, treating the scriptures uh, very, very poorly. And even when those other writers don't specifically mention such issues, I think we're free to deduce from their principles various applications of the principles. Now, on, on those issues that we've talked about, Christians differ. And I, I'm not saying we've necessarily all got to come to the same conclusion about those things. All I want to say is please don't come to your conclusion simply on the basis, well, Jesus didn't say anything about it, therefore the Bible doesn't say anything about it. I don't think that's true. And also to say, well, Jesus didn't specifically mention this specific thing in the terms that we think about that issue, um, Therefore, he didn't think it was important. I think that really is an argument from silence that doesn't actually carry a whole lot of weight. And if we're going to make up our minds about such issues as has been mentioned, and as many others, of course, um, then we, we do have to um, be careful to make up our minds on the basis of applying biblical principles. Now, we might have different applications of the principles, but I don't think we can form our conclusions simply on the basis that Jesus didn't say anything. I mean... Jesus never told me to go to church. He never told anyone to go to church, for example. Well, church, in a sense, wasn't, wasn't invented in his day, I suppose. Um, you know, Jesus didn't say a lot of things, but we still do them because there's other parts of Scripture that are important, uh, that, that, that do 
teach us those things. And also, we do certain things because they're applications of general principles that um, Jesus taught. For example, Jesus didn't tell me to go to church, but Jesus did tell me to love my neighbour. And um, being in church, and, and, and to honour God and so on, well, honouring God and loving my neighbour, well, I reckon going to church is a pretty good expression of that. So how do, how, how do we as Christians... Um find ourselves, find a position that we believe on some of these issues. So let's take abortion. Like you, uh, there's there's one side that would say that the sanctity of life and, you know, you're not to kill anything. So, you know, once conception takes place, it's it's a life. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that, that's one point of view. Uh, the, there's other points. Like, so as a Christian, how do, how, how do we come to a point where, because obviously we're going to have an argument or a discussion with people in, in, in life about these kind of things. So how do we develop an attitude, say, about abortion? And I'm not saying to give your opinion or whatever. But no, no, no. It, it's a good question because you, 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 first of all, you've got to be careful not to argue and, 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 and establish your principles purely and simply from surrounding culture. Um, but then again, you've, and so therefore, oh, abortion's very popular, it's legal in most places, therefore, um, who are we to argue against it? But then again, you, you shouldn't go to the other extreme either, and simply saying, well, um, um, most Christians I know uh, have this particular view, therefore I have that particular view. I, I, I think it's important to recognise that different Christians do have different views. And on the subject of abortion, obviously, they you, you, you have a, a general principle of the sanctity of human life. And I think all Christians would probably agree on that but hey when it comes to abortion and the other tricky issue of euthanasia uh, Christians will apply that differently because for example the sanctity of human life okay well that extends bioethicists argue about what is the beginning of life mm. and um, you know most Christian bioethicists tend to sort of err on the well, the conservative side and say hey you know as a certain stage in fetal development we, we can certainly classify it as life it's got all the integral elements that will develop into life, but it's not life. You see, we do not conduct funeral services for aborted fetuses or miscarriages. We don't... So so we we are even then treating them differently. I'm not saying they're not life. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying we we have to acknowledge there is a difference between um, life in the womb and life outside the womb obviously um, we we can argue it's still life mm. but 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 we do we do treat it differently and of course there are extreme cases where a mother's life has to be preserved and the baby is aborted and of course there's what we call spontaneous abortions um, through miscarriages and yeah. so on so look it is a difficult thing to come up with but but the important thing is to say well where do i get my principle from and for example from psalm 139 even though it, it is couched in lovely poetry it seems to be saying something pretty pretty literally true that is that god has known us before we were born but but again you'd have to be a bit careful before saying oh well therefore um human life starts from that instant of conception uh, it, that's a bit of a jump it could be a very legitimate jump and many christians actually take that jump and I'm probably down that end of the spectrum myself. But you've got to be careful not to say, well, the Bible actually says that life begins at that stage. It, 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 it could suggest it, but we might be reading too much into it. Okay. We should discuss that further down the track. Mm-hmm. You're listening to LifeWords Q&A with Andrew Morris and David Ray. Our second question, David, is I sometimes wonder if I really am a Christian and I'm scared I might not be after all. Well, funnily <laughs> enough, I think your questioner is probably very worried about this. Is actually, I'd say, gee, 
isn't it good that you're asking the question? Because having asked the question, it means that you're spiritually sensitive. It's like some people have come to me over the years and said, David, I think I'm pretty sure I've committed the unforgivable sin, in which case I'm able to assure them, no, you haven't, uh, because you're still, your conscience, your spiritual conscience is still tender and sensitive, and uh, um, therefore you haven't actually ultimately defied Jesus. And now, now uh, getting back to this particular question, um, I, I, as I say, I, I think this person is genuinely concerned and I think those who are in greatest danger are those who are not concerned. Um, however, let's take it seriously. Um, you may not be a Christian. I don't know this question, but they may not be a Christian. Um, so be sure you know what a Christian is. I'm, I mean, dear me, you might have a wrong understanding of what a Christian is. And uh, you might think, well, I'm not a... Uh, a right-wing politician or I'm not a left-wing radical, therefore I can't be a Christian, or I don't go to church, therefore I can't be a Christian, and so on and so on. It, 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 it's, it's possible that your misgivings are real. Now, let's think. A Christian is someone who, who knows they need help to relate to the personal God who made them. They, the Christians are those who've trusted in what Jesus has done for them and rely on his goodness to get them right with God. They're people who seek to live Jesus' way, even though they often get it wrong. Now, if that generally describes you, then let's assume you're a Christian. If, if you aren't, if you really have not related to God on the basis of what Jesus has done, or if you've turned your back on Jesus or don't believe in what he's done at all, uh, then, hey, take the time to reflect on it. You may not be a Christian, and I don't want to give you false assurance that you are a Christian. But, but so... so, so get stuck into it. There may be other Christians you know who you can talk to. You can say, look, here is where I stand. What do you reckon? It may be that you you, you need to be a Christian. Uh, you need to become a Christian in the first place. But let's say you've done that. Yeah, I believe all that, you say, and, and I certainly do try to put my, um, uh, my beliefs into practice. All I'd say to you then is the evil one is an old hand at accusing Christians. Uh, he's the one who accuses you and lies to you. He's the one who tells you you're struggling so much. What a poor excuse as a Christian you are. If only other people knew all your terrible secrets and all your terrible sins. Oh, boy, you, 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 you are not a Christian. Now, he's an expert at doing that. Um, and I will be able to say to you, well, don't let him get away with that. You see, it's very healthy to be concerned about your lack of maturity or your continued sinning. But as long as that drives you back into the arms of God, to the strong help of God, um, and reminding yourself that it's God's grace that saves you, not your own efforts, then, then that can be actually healthy. Satan wants you to say, you're not a very good person, therefore you're condemned. God wants you to say, yes, you might not be a very good person, but I've dealt with all that by Jesus' death on the cross. I remember when I was at university and living with my uncle and aunt, my uncle, who was a pastor, would always come to me and say, okay, if you died and went to heaven, and you know, Jesus would yeah. say, well, why should you be accepted into heaven? And I would always say, because I'm a good person. And he'd go... Andrew, that's not the answer. That's not good enough. No. A good person will not get you into heaven. That's right. I'm going, but why? And it took me, well, it took me two years of university and yes, of resisting yes, yes. to actually find out, well, yeah, um, and just say that, you know, I accept Jesus as my Savior and Lord and yes. he died for my sins and that's what gets me into heaven. Look, that, 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 that old mythology still lingers and I suspect it might be behind this question as uh, concerns that we think good people go to heaven, as it were. Well, no, Jesus actually turns that on its head. It's people who know they're not good mm. who get to heaven. You see, I want to say to that question, and look, um, yeah, make sure you are a Christian. Yes, yes, yes. But having sort of accepted the fact that, yes, I do believe those very fundamental truths 
that God made me, God loves me, I need Jesus' mercy to be right with him and I do believe Jesus forgives me and so on and the Holy Spirit is, is doing something to help me live Jesus' way. If you've got that out of the way, as it were, then what you have to do is to take your stand against the evil one and say, no, just the fact that I'm weak and struggling doesn't mean that I'm not a Christian. And um, all Christians are weak and struggling. As I think I've said in these Q&A things before, there are only two types of Christians. Christians who are weak and struggling and admit it, and Christians who are weak and struggling and don't admit it. Um, so just because you're weak and struggling and have, and have uh, fall into sin doesn't mean you're not a Christian. Okay, David, our final question is, what did Jesus mean when he said he hadn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it? It's, look, it's one of those very, very, contro- not controversial so much, much debated New Testament text. Jesus says it uh, early on in the Sermon on the Mount. And what he was saying was, bottom line was he wasn't going to rubbish all the rules of the Old Testament he was talking to all the people around about him who, who and some of them were suspicious that he thought he was going to just chuck out the Old Testament and treat it as a load of rubbish he's just saying no 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 no, I'm not going to do that I'm going to do that the Old Testament's rules and laws and things have got immense value but he's not going to throw them out. But then again, he wasn't just going to repeat parrot-like all the Old Testament rules. He was going to say, hey, you've had the Old Testament rules and the laws, and they're absolutely fine. Now I'm going to tell you, um, or or what what I'm going to do is to cut through a lot of the foolish man-made interpretations of them and the traditions that have been built around them to show you what they really meant. In other words, Jesus isn't saying, uh, I've come to throw out the Ten Commandments and throw out all the other bits of the Old Testament what he wants to say is, though, I want to show you what they really mean. And then he goes on to talk about issues such as um, oath-taking, loving enemies, adultery, divorce, and all these sorts of things. Jesus says the whole formula is, you've heard that it was said dot, 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 but I tell you dot, dot, dot. In these cases, he's not attacking the Old Testament law, but he's attacking the way that the Old Testament law had been manipulated and abused by religious leaders, particularly male religious leaders. So he was basically saying, if you want to live by the Old Testament, you'll fail to, um, in, 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 I guess if you, if you're looking for salvation, is that right? Through living the Old Testament laws, you'll fail. Yeah. Well, well, I think he would. Yes, he has said that. Well. I don't think this is what this text is saying particularly. Right, okay. But but certainly, it it happens. It happens. Obviously, that Jesus wants wants to say to people, look, just just obeying your traditions and obeying the rules. Um, won't get you into heaven um um you know it's a relationship with me that does that but yes this you know i I mean it's it's an extension of this text that would support exactly what you're saying but you're saying in terms of like the ten commandments they still have value and importance now they certainly still have value jesus wasn't saying simply oh look you were trying to get to heaven by obeying the ten commandments which incidentally many scholars would say that most of our jews were not trying to do that anyway um what jesus is 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 more saying is you've actually misunderstood the point of a lot of the Old Testament laws. Now, one misunderstanding can be that, oh, I've got to keep these laws in order to be saved. Uh, And I think he addresses that elsewhere in the Gospels. But here, I think he's mainly wanting to cut through all the the man-made traditions that had accumulated that actually, like the Sabbath commandment, for example, he goes on to talk about much later on, and says, look, you've, you've accumulated so much rubbish around it, uh, it's ceased to be what it was originally meant to be. The other meaning, however, there's another meaning to this, he hasn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfil it. He fulfils it not only by cutting through a lot of the rubbish and getting to the real meaning, but he fulfils it by actually quite literally 
being the one that the law points to. The, 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 the great example of that, for example, can be uh, the Old Testament sacrificial system. There were certain laws in the Old Testament that said you will sacrifice food and animals in such a way as to express your dependence on God and your need for his forgiveness, and all those were perfectly valid. In this particular case, Jesus is saying, well, all that is now gone. I've fulfilled it. I am going to be the sacrifice, the one perfect sacrifice that all the other animal and food sacrifices were pointing towards. So that's another, a secondary meaning of um, this particular text, that Jesus is saying all those, uh, not all of those, but many of those so-called ceremonial laws of the Old Testament um, no longer valid, folks, because I am the one they pointed to and because I'm here, uh, they don't need to be practised anymore. So we don't sacrifice lambs and bulls on altars and so on because Jesus has fulfilled it. And we don't, hopefully, um, get bogged down with human man-made traditions about the Bible, but we, are, we want to cut through to the meaning that is given by Jesus to the Bible. Uh, great. Thanks for explaining that, David. Really appreciate that. And I hope uh, our listeners who have submitted today's questions have found uh, the answers uh, helpful in their journey towards, uh, I guess, a deeper understanding of um, how we live life and faith. Uh, Till next week. Thanks, David. Thank you. And uh, we'll see you soon. You can download uh, previous episodes of LifeWords Q&A through the hope1032.com.au website. Just search for LifeWords Q&A. Otherwise, iTunes. Uh, search the podcast store. And uh, you can subscribe to David's daily devotional email. And it's sent to you 6 o'clock each morning. Uh, weekdays, just subscribe at hope1032.com.au. Till next week, catch you later.